Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda a voice in the desert now here's crystal heath today the nation grieves but those of us who love dallas and call it home have had five deaths in the family laura and i see members of law enforcement every day we count we count them as our friends And we know, like for every other American, that their courage is our protection and shield. We're proud of the men we mourn and the community that has rallied to honor them and support the wounded. Our mayor and police chief and our police department have been mighty inspirations for the rest of the nation. These slain officers were the best among us. Lauren Ahrens, beloved husband to Detective Katrina Ahrens and father of two. Michael Kroll, caring son, brother, uncle, nephew, and friend. Michael Smith, U.S. Army veteran, devoted husband and father of two. Brent Thompson, Marine Corps vet, recently married. Patrick Zamaripa. U.S. Navy Reserve Combat Veteran, proud father, and loyal Texas Rangers fan. (laughs) With their deaths, we have lost so much. We are grief-stricken, heartbroken, and forever grateful. Every officer has accepted a calling that sets them apart. Most of us imagine if the moment called for that we would risk our lives to protect a spouse or a child. Those wearing the uniform assume that risk for the safety of strangers. They and their families share the unspoken knowledge that each new day can bring new dangers. But none of us were prepared or could be prepared for an ambush by hatred and malice. The shock of this evil still has not faded. At times, it seems like the forces pulling us apart are stronger than the forces binding us together. Argument turns too easily into animosity. Disagreement escalates too quickly into dehumanization. Too often we judge other groups by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions. And this is... And this has strained our bonds of understanding and common purpose. But Americans, I think, have a great advantage To renew our unity, we only need to remember our values. We have never been held together by blood or background. 
We are bound by things of the Spirit, by shared commitments to common ideals. At our best, we practice empathy, imagining ourselves in the lives and circumstances of others. This is the bridge across our nation's deepest divisions. And it's not merely a matter of tolerance, but of learning from the struggles and stories of our fellow citizens and finding our better selves in the process. At our best, we honor the image of God we see in one another. We recognize that we are brothers and sisters sharing the same brief moment on earth and owing each other the loyalty of our shared humanity. At our best, we know we have one country, one future, one destiny. We do not want the unity of grief, nor we want the unity of fear. We want the unity of hope, affection, and high purpose. We know that the kind of just, humane country we want to build, that we have seen in our best dreams, is made possible when men and women in uniform stand guard. At their best, when they're trained and trusted and accountable, they free us from fear. The Apostle Paul said, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of strength and love and self-control. Those are the best responses to fear in the life of our country. And they're the code of the peace officer. Today, all of us feel a sense of loss, but not equally. I'd like to conclude with the word of the families, the spouses, and especially the children of the fallen. Your loved one time with you was too short. They did not get a chance to properly say goodbye. But they went where duty called. They defended us, even to the end. They finished well. We will not forget what they did for us. Your loss is unfair. We cannot explain it. We can stand beside you and share your grief. And we can pray that God will comfort you with a hope deeper than sorrow and stronger than death. May God bless you. That was President George W. Bush speaking at the Memorial for the Fallen Dallas Police Officers this past Tuesday. He said, too often we judge other groups by their worst examples while judging ourselves by our best intentions. And to renew our unity, we need to remember our values and honor the image of God that we see in one another. Just a fantastic, uniting, honoring speech. And really the first truly public interaction that we've seen from W since his presidency. Um, President Obama also spoke, to be quite honest with you, I found it so disrespectful to the families of the fallen officers that I've decided not to play anything from it. If you can not, if you can't not politicize a moment where men who put their lives on the live are being remembered by their children, then you've crossed a line and I'm not going to give that any more airtime. But I did want to play President Bush's speech because I think it was just phenomenal and exactly what our country needed and needs to hear at this time. And we talked about the Dallas police shooting and the race issues facing us earlier this week on the show. So we're not going to stay on that topic, but I did just want to play that before we moved on to the current state of the 2016 election. I had somebody ask me the other day, they're like, can we talk about something other than the election? Well, that's what Fridays are for. 
if you just can't wait to hear something other than the election get talked about, then you do not want to miss our show tomorrow because on Fridays, we don't talk about politics at all. We talk about fun things. We talk about cultural things. We do fun stories and giveaways. So tune in tomorrow. Uh, But for those of you that are following along on the presidential side of things and are wondering what's happening as we approach the convention, there there is some developing news here. Um, and I know you're not, okay, we're just, we're going to do it. We're going to do it because we're going to talk about this. And then tomorrow is Friday. So stick with me, bear with me. We're going to start with the FBI. Last week, they present this whole case against Hillary in email gate. Tell us how what she did was so unspeakably terrible. And yes, in pretty much any other case, they'd probably recommend, um, you know, that things might, you know, happen to her, like indictment or imprisonment or things like that. But this time, nah, no biggie, no big deal. Except that it is a big deal. And uh, Representative Trey Gowdy just unleashed on FBI Director James Comey um, regarding email gate during a hearing last week. And I wanted to play the whole thing. I don't think we have time to play the whole thing, but I want to at least play a part of this for you because he just, this is, this is so good. Here, here's Representative Gowdy and we'll be back and I'll, I'll tell you more about it. We're not going to play the whole thing, but you can watch the whole thing. There's clips of it everywhere. Hang on. We'll now recognize uh, the gentleman from South Carolina, uh, Mr. Gowdy, for five minutes. Good morning, Director Comey. Uh, Secretary Clinton said she never sent or received any classified information over her private email. Was that true? Our investigation found that there was classified information sent. So it was not true. Right. That's what I said. Okay. Well, I'm looking for a little shorter answer, so you and I are not here quite as long. Secretary Clinton said there was nothing marked classified on her emails, either sent or received. Was that true? That's not true. There were a small number of portion markings on, I think, three of the documents. Secretary Clinton said I did not email classified material to anyone on my email. There is no classified material. Was that true? There was classified material emailed. Secretary Clinton said she used just one device. Was that true? She used multiple devices during the four years uh, of her term as Secretary of State. Secretary Clinton said all work-related emails were returned to the State Department. Was that true? No, we found work-related emails, thousands, that were not returned. Secretary Clinton said neither she nor anyone else deleted work-related emails from her personal account. Was that true? And it just goes, he just goes on and on and on. Uh, it's about a six-minute exchange of where he just exposes lie after lie after lie after lie and then brings it all around, wraps up, and is like, so essentially you're saying that she lied. We've got perjury going on here, and he just he just rips it apart um and and he he concludes by essentially saying i'm not gonna play the whole thing because it's so long we don't we have a limited amount of time but he basically says so what you're telling me is if a private in the army sent one email with one piece of classified information he would get court-martialed and kicked out but if hillary clinton the secretary of state emails dozens if not hundreds of emails with classified information we're going to let her have the white house and that's some that's some serious food for thought right there especially if you're like yeah so what she used personal email what's a big deal no worries mr gowdy brought up a really good point
The private gets booted from the army. Hillary gets the White House. Does anybody have a problem with that? I mean, we have to think about if criminal activity should be excusable and why the rules are different for some people than they are for others. But you make your own determination there. The, uh, the conventions are right around the corner for both the Republicans and the Democrats. So some of Hillary's uh, vice presidential picks, potentially, um, there's, there's about 10, I think, on her list. The names that have been floating more often than others are, of course, Elizabeth Warren. I personally don't see her going with Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I don't think she's going to want to share the stage. I think her being the first woman, I just don't think she's going to want to share the stage on that one. Then you have uh, Cory Booker, the senator from New Jersey, former mayor of Newark. I also don't see her going with Cory Booker because Booker is a very popular um very popular figure, and I think that he would upstage Hillary a lot. He's he's big on social media. He's a likable guy, and I think he's almost too likable for Hillary, if that makes sense, because I don't think she's going to want someone that steals her spotlight, and I think that Booker would steal her spotlight, and so she's not going to want to go with that. Then you've got uh, another name that's been floating a lot, which makes the most sense to me from a political perspective, is Julian Castro. Again, a very popular guy, but not as, um, I don't want to say not as likable, but maybe just not as much of a, of, a, of a charmer, if you will. So I think that I could see that one happening more. Also, he's got the Hispanic thing going on. So then you get a woman, first woman, first Hispanic, combine that together and hope for a winning ticket there. Uh, she's also vetting a Navy admiral. Retired Xavier Becerra, Tim Kaine, Sherrod Brown, but I, I personally would think it would come down to Castro, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Then you've got then you've got over on the uh, Trump side of things, the vice presidential race is heating up there as well. Trump was in Indiana, I believe it was yesterday, meeting with Governor Mike Pence. There, his plane got a flat tire when he landed, and so he ended up staying there. And meeting with multiple of his uh, potential candidates flew in. He said that he is... N- <laughs> it's really a, a humorous quote, if I can find it here. Um, I can't find it. But basically, he was asked if the if the situation is getting narrowed down at all. And he was like, yeah, I have, I have three, maybe four. Uh, the, uh, three, maybe four that we're looking at. But really, there's probably two. Like three, four, two. So you know, we'll just we'll pick a number. Um, essentially, he already knows who it's going to be. Everyone's like, he hasn't picked yet. He hasn't picked yet. No, he knows who it's going to be. Trust me. Believe me. Frankly, he knows who it's going to be. But the names that are being floated because we don't know who it's going to be are uh, Governor Mike Pence, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich, uh, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, and I have to sneeze, and it's not. <laughs> okay, excuse me. Former um and former Lieutenant General, Army Lieutenant General Michael Flynn look to be the top remaining contenders based on what's trickling out from the campaign. Uh so here's my take on those. You don't take Christie because a New York, New Jersey ticket isn't going to fly anywhere outside of the Northeast and New Jersey's just not a great pickup. It doesn't make sense to pick Chris Christie. Uh, Pence I look at as a potentially neutral choice. I don't think he hurts Donald Trump at all. I also really don't think he's that much of a help though either. He's not um, 
Yeah, he's just kind of neutral. But maybe, you know, Trump wants a neutral figure that's not stealing his spotlight at all. Newt, I think, is the only one of these guys who could potentially help Trump. Um, Even though his moral background is less than stellar, I believe if he's on the ticket, there'll have been six wives between the POTUS and the VP, which, you know, is um, unprecedented. But he's very liked because of the Contract of America and what he did with the House uh, during his time as Speaker there. So I think there are a lot of conservatives that that Newt could win over uh, that none of these other options would. And then there's Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. There's a lot of people out there that seem to really like Mr. Flynn, and he's incredibly accomplished. He has great thoughts on on defeating ISIS. Uh, He served as the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. He was commander of the Joint Functional Component Command for Intelligence, Surveillance, and Reconnaissance. He chaired the Military Intelligence Board. I mean, he gets it. He gets national security, and that's something that Trump is very, very weak on, in my personal opinion. But there's a problem. There's a huge problem with Flynn. Because even though it sounds great and you think, yeah, we need that because ISIS and all these different things, it's not so great. Because though we appreciate his service, Mr. Flynn is both pro-choice and anti-Israel. And if Trump chooses Flynn, I believe wholeheartedly that that will push the majority of the people that are still open to Trump, but not yet committed to him. Did I say push? No. It will be an unbridgeable chasm if Trump chooses Flynn. People say social conservatism shouldn't matter in elections, but I'm telling you, if Trump picks Flynn, the GOP will die. Because social conservatives are going to bolt, and they're not going to come back. You can only push people so far. They'll go with you to a point, but there are some lines that once you cross them, you're never regaining that ground. Ever. And I think this would be a catastrophic, unforced error by the Trump camp and essentially guarantee a Hillary victory. You just simply cannot take uh, the biggest issue, I believe, for most social conservatives and probably the second biggest issue for most social conservatives and get a guy who's, by the way, a registered Democrat And I know he's strong on national security. I know he's really good on that. And we appreciate his military service immensely. But you don't take that and put that on the on the ticket. You just don't put that on the ticket. Where you put that is you is you look at him for secretary of defense. You look at him for a cabinet position, but you don't make him vice president or you have just committed political suicide. Just my take, because I, I don't see any way that social conservatives don't say that's it we were we were willing to tolerate this we were willing to potentially go along with it but if you're going to put someone who is openly blatantly pro-choice and anti-israel on the ticket we're not having any part of that and you say oh it doesn't really matter you're making too much of that am i let me tell you who i vote for in general terms okay i'm not endorsing anyone i'm just saying my general rules for voting you ready I vote for individuals who support life, who support liberty, and who support the pursuit of happiness. These are the principles that made America great, and they are the principles that keep our country great. So how does that relate to Flynn? I'm so glad you asked. In an abortion, at least one human life is always destroyed. There is always a murder happening in an abortion every time. Sanctioned murder. 
Not really sure how that equates with life. And in the Middle East, there is only one country which allows freedom of speech and religion and shares our love for life and the pursuit of happiness. Only one. And that is Israel. So to vote for someone who is both pro-choice and anti-Israel is to vote against the very things upon which our country was founded. In other words, to vote for someone who does not support life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is to vote against America itself. And it's as simple as that. And, and honestly, I think there's one candidate in the current presidential race who I wholeheartedly believe already embodies this anti-American state on their own. The question is, what do we do if we end up with both of the options being such? And there are those that say, well, that line's already been crossed and neither option is a good option. And honestly, for the most part, I agree with that. Poll after poll shows that this is a who is a less hated competition. And it's not that either candidate garners great momentum or support. It's that the hatred for the alternative is that great. And honestly, it's kind of a scary way to run an election in a country. I, I think. So if ever there was a time to pray for your country, the time is now. Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are picking their vice presidential running mate. Some people say it's not a big deal. Just a figurehead. Yeah, but if something terrible happens, that figurehead becomes much, much more than a figurehead. That person becomes the leader of the free world. It is a big decision. It's an important decision. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who they decide. Trump is set to announce his pick Friday, this Friday, so tomorrow night, uh, in Manhattan. My guess would be that Hillary will probably announce hers sometime during the uh, GOP convention in order to take some of the spotlight away from Trump, but I but, you know, we'll see. Soon enough, we will know. We're going to talk more about uh, the conventions and some speakers there. There's a surprise speaker on the list uh, at the GOP convention, which I could have gone to, and now I'm kind of regretting it. But, you know, uh, such is life. We'll talk about that. But before we do, we're going to take a break. When we get back, we're going to have Bruce Hochschnott from Focus on the Family. He's here to talk about a uh, piece of, of um, cultural... I'm not sure if it's legis- I can't remember if it's legislation or if there's a lawsuit, but there's some things going on in Iowa that you may not have heard about that you need to know about, and he's going to be here to talk with us about that. Today's programming is brought to you by Krispy Kreme Donuts Fundraising Opportunities. Krispy Kreme fundraisers are available year-round. They can take place over one to two days or one to two weeks. If your educational, religious community, or charitable cause is looking for a fun way to meet your financial goals, Krispy Kreme can help. Krispy Kreme provides free fundraising materials for your use, and you can visit KrispyKreme.com fundraising or your local Krispy Kreme to learn more. Our thanks to Krispy Kreme for their support of KVXL programming. This is Steve Green with Embrace the Cross, and we'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. And welcome back. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. Today we have Bruce House Connect is here. He's the judicial an- analyst, a judicial analyst with Focus on the Family. Bruce, how are you? I'm doing fine, Crystal. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's it's fantastic to have you. Um, and I, I was excited when I saw the email about you potentially being able to join us today because I think, you know, with, with everything going on with the elections right now and then with the with the terrible shooting and different things that we have happening, I think that the headlines are being so dominated by these things that we're missing some other things that are happening in our country that we should be aware of. Um, and that's one of those things is what you're actually here to talk with us about. So the Alliance Defending Freedom announced a lawsuit against the Iowa Civil Rights Commission. I believe this was, was this last week that this happened? Yes, very recent. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're trying to prevent uh, the enforcement of using names and pronouns consistent with a person's presented gender and uh, and changing some bathroom access and church services that are open to the public. So tell us what, first of all, I think a lot of people don't even know this is going on, but I think it's th- something that many Christians especially would and should care about. So let's start at the beginning, because that's a very good place to start. What is actually happening with this case in Iowa right now? Okay. Yes, and and this is not just Iowa. This, uh, many states have these kinds of laws on the books, and in many localities, you know, municipalities, towns, uh, counties, they they establish human rights commissions and they attempt to enforce a non-discrimination law that the state passes, um, and. Uh, they most usually include sexual orientation and gender identity, sure. which always sets up a clash between uh, the First Amendment right of people of faith and this new sexual liberty that the Supreme Court has declared last year in the in the marriage case. Yeah. But anyway, it, this is what Iowa has. They have a law in the books since like 2007, and they have a Human Rights Commission that writes. Uh, regulations that uh, implement this non-discrimination. And they, they put out a brochure a, a while ago, but it just caught the attention of a couple churches very recently. And the brochure basically addresses to the public how does uh, how is sexual orientation and gender identity protected under this, this law. And it talks about uh, restrooms and how... Uh, um, public people of, with uh, entities that have public accommodations that are open to the public have to provide um, any bathrooms for for people depending on what gender they identify with. There's a and and alarmingly there's a, a section in the brochure, the original brochure, I might add, um, that says specifically, does this law apply to churches? They went out of their way wow. to to talk about churches, and in the in the first rendition of this uh, brochure, they said um, churches are quote-unquote public accommodations when they do have uh, events that are open to the public. Well, church services are open to the public, and, and so if anyone comes into the church, uh, listens to the pastor's sermon on biblical sexuality, and is offended by that, theoretically, this brochure uh, informed people that they could bring a charge against that church uh, to the Human Rights Commission. Or if they're offended because of uh, an event held at the church, like a marriage seminar or anything that's open to the public. And everything churches do for the community is open to the public. So a couple of churches were very alarmed by that, and, and ADF got involved representing one of them, and I believe First Liberty out of uh, Plano, Texas, uh, represented another one. And and. Fo- ADF filed suit, whereas uh, uh, the other church did not. Uh, the the commission in, almost immediately changed the wording of this brochure. It doesn't it doesn't change the law, but it just took out the offensive language having to do with you know a church service being a public accommodation. And they they said, well, we we would never prosecute a pastor for for anything in his sermon. Hmm. And that was that was good enough for one of the churches, and they said, "Well, we're, we're going to keep an eye on it." But ADF said, "You know, this there's still a bad law behind that that regulation behind this brochure that allows the Human Rights Commission to look into what churches do and decide whether or not the things they do in church are 
truly bona fide religious activities or not. And that's a scary power to hand to a secular commission charged with um, opening up bathrooms and and enforcing sexual orientation-protected statuses. So that's where we're at uh, this week. There's there's a lawsuit pending uh, against uh, Iowa and their Civil Rights Commission over over the wording of of the law and uh, uh, until they get better clarification that this could never be invoked against the church, um, then I think this lawsuit will go forward. And if 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 this were to to fail, then there's the potential, as you were saying, not only. I believe, if I heard you correctly, not only does this deal with bathrooms, but any church activity then can be can be considered and put under scrutiny. Absolutely. Say your church opens up its facilities to a community group, um, you know, like the Boy Scouts or Alcoholics Anonymous, and and um, and so so someone in that group, uh, or maybe the pastor is participating, or somebody from the church is there, or and they say something having to do with homosexuality or gender identity or even, pray tell, uh, enforce uh, the bathroom rules that the men use the men's room and the women use the women's room, um, and that offends someone who is attending uh, that that activity, uh, that church could still be brought before the Human Rights Commission. And that's wow. the fear, because if churches can't serve the community by, op- by opening up their premises... Um, and having people uh, use uh, those facilities in accordance with the beliefs of that church, it puts all their outreach in jeopardy, and uh, and it puts their you know it, it forces churches to simply close their doors and have a private club that uh, you know members only can come in, yeah. and and you know everyone else keep out. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why oftentimes I think it's easy for us to say, oh, you know, I don't want to know what's going on in the world. The world is a terrible place. I'm just going to shelter myself and my family here and not and not know about these things. But I think isn't how important is it that we as Christians understand what's happening in the world and, and what can we do to advocate for our religious freedoms? Yeah, th- this is hugely important because with the rise of um, same-sex marriage, and more recently with the transgender agenda that the that the uh, Obama administration is forcing on schools nationwide, um, the, the uh, parents uh, around the country are looking for answers. They're looking for for ways to stop this from happening. And I guess the answer is. Uh, you know, you have to start sticking up for the rights and protections of your children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, go to school board meetings, vote for candidates who will put a stop to this, and uh, essentially start getting involved in public policy at the state and federal levels um, and support bills that are going to protect religious freedom. There's one in Congress right now called the uh, First Amendment Defense Act. Uh, which I believe just passed the House. They had a hearing yesterday, and, and I, I think they might have taken a first vote in the House or maybe in the committee and passed it, which protects churches and organizations, even private businesses, from from government harassment because of their beliefs in one-man, one-woman marriage um, or that uh, God created people into two sexes, male and female, and that's it. 
because yeah. more and more these these human rights commissions are coming after people who believe those types of things. Right, right. And I think, you know, we've been so indoctrinated as a culture to believe that separation of church and state uh, is constitutional that sometimes we just assume that, one, it actually is constitutional when it's not, and two, that, that Christians shouldn't be involved or that churches should just not worry about what's happening in the culture and if we just need to go along to get along that's what we need to do because you know we can't we can't enforce or push our beliefs on anyone else or that you know we shouldn't uh, have a political opinion or pastors shouldn't address political issues from the pulpit when in fact is the opposite actually true there it is true uh we have a false notion that you know as christians we're supposed to just turn the other cheek and and let uh, those in power just making the decisions make it in a vacuum without our input. Um, when our duty as Americans is to participate in government, we have this unique form of government that says we the people do ordain and establish this constitution. It, it wasn't imposed on us by a king or an oligarchy. Right. Um, we govern ourselves, and as Christians, we have a duty to make sure that our government uh, passes good laws, and for one reason above all else, and that is so that the gospel is free to go forth, not only to this nation, but to all the world. If we allow laws that bottle up the gospel and prevent it uh, from going out, we've abandoned the Great Commission. We're just doing our jobs as good citizens to make sure that the uh, the gospel message is free uh, to impact society the way it's supposed to. Yep, that's exactly right. If we and if we lose freedom here, Ronald Reagan said it best. Where where else are we going to go? We are the last great hope on earth for that freedom and for as you said, if we if we don't have our freedoms, then we can't fulfill the great commission. And that's why Christians need to be involved. Should know what's happening. Thank you, Bruce, so much for being here and and helping us understand what's happening with this uh, with this incident in Iowa, and then of course throughout the country with the civil rights commissions. Where can people uh, learn more or follow you? Are you on Facebook, Twitter, folks on the family? Yes, you can uh, follow us. Well, first, our website is focusonthefamily.com uh, slash social issues. You can find our our uh, particular issues there under uh, under the tab social issues. Also, we're on Facebook. We're we're called Thriving Values. Uh, you can you can follow us follow us there. We we uh, keep you informed about what's going on uh, around the country. All right. So Thriving Values on Facebook and FocusOnTheFamily.com slash social issues. It's a great way to stay informed. Focus on the Family is a fantastic resource and a great uh, friend to our ministry. So again, Bruce, I appreciate you being here. Everyone, you're listening to KVXL 101.1 FM. We are going to play Ancient Words from Michael W. Smith, and we'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. Ancient Words from Michael W. Smith. That is one of my favorite songs. Just a great, great message in that song. So we're wrapping things up for today here on The Frittle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM. Reminder, we are on iTunes and SoundCloud. You just search The Frittle Show and you can listen to past awesome episodes. Tomorrow, for those of you that are like, please no more politics, your, your cries have been heard. It's Fun Friday tomorrow. No politics, just fun stories things you may not know, things you may not have heard, the good news that you miss if you watch the rest of the news. Pretty much anyone else except for us because we tell you about things that are awesome. Also, Wall Builders does their good news segment 
Is it today? No, I think they do their good news segment on Fridays as well. Law Builders with David Barton and Rick Green, which we air at 1 o'clock every Monday through Friday. So tomorrow on Law Builders will be their good news segment as well. We're going to be giving something away, probably a book or a magazine or maybe both. Who knows? I don't. So you'll have to tune in tomorrow to find out, 101.1 FM. Or you can stream us online all day, every day at kvxl101.com. Okay, so next week, GOP convention is first. Then the Democratic convention will follow. And uh, the speaker list has just been released. Well, partial speaker list. So they have four nights, and each night is apparently themed uh, this year. So night one, they're going to be focusing on Benghazi. Uh, They're going to have some Border Patrol agents speaking. Mr. Shaw, whose son was killed by an undocumented immigrant. Senator Cotton will be speaking. Former Mayor Rudy Giuliani of New York, Melania Trump. Miss Ernst and others. And the second night is going to focus on the economy. Mr. White, the president of the UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, is going to be speaking. The governor of Arkansas, Asa Hutchinson. Michael McCassie, the former United States Attorney General, will be speaking. Michael Flynn, the vice presidential possibility we talked about earlier. Uh, Mitch McConnell, Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky, the majority leader. It's kind of surprising to me that Trump uh, let him in there, but probably a good move politically. Uh, Tiffany Trump will be speaking. Donald Trump Jr. will be speaking. And Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin will be speaking. I was a little surprised to see his name on the list as well, but I believe he has future presidential aspirations, which is why he got out of this round so early, which... I think was the smartest thing he could possibly do. Then on the third night, you have uh, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House. You have Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. You have Eric Trump. You have Mrs. Gobus and the nominee for Vice President, whomever that may be. Interestingly enough, neither Mike Pence nor Chris Christie are on the announced schedule yet. So two of the potential Vice Presidential nominees are on there already. Second night has Flynn scheduled, so presumably um, he would not be the nominee unless they make changes to the schedule, which is possible, but we don't know yet. Um, But uh, night three will feature the vice presidential candidate since Newt is already on schedule for that evening. Who knows? We'll see. Then night four. This is where we get to. This was just announced, and this is the one where I go, ah, I could have been there. Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is opening the night for Mr. Trump. And I could have been there. We could have met. It could have been fate, except it's not. We'll also see uh, Representative Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee, Governor Mary Phelan of Oklahoma, Reince Priebus, Governor Rick Scott of Florida, Ivanka Trump, and of course then Donald Trump will wrap up the night and presumably uh, accept the party's nomination without any... Well, without much, um, I have no idea what the word is that I'm looking for right now. But you know all the all the talk of a contested convention and all that, that's most likely not going to happen or go anywhere. Uh, so I think it will, fanfare, I think Mr. Trump will, will, will accept the nomination without much um, backlash or, or whatever else. Whatever word you want to throw in there. I don't think it will be a problem. I think he will be the nominee come next Thursday. Officially. 
And then, of course, the Democratic Convention will follow that, which will be interesting to see if Bernie Sanders supporters accept his recommendation to go with Hillary and to unite the party, or if they will come out and protest and write in Bernie. Who knows? I don't know. Only the voters know. And we will see what they decide. That's all the time we have left for today. Thank you for being with us. Thanks to those of you tuning in on the 405media.com as well. Great to have you here. We're going to wrap up the day with Titanium from the Piano Guys because you just need a little inspirational get-going music this Thursday. Tomorrow is Friday. We'll be back to give things away and talk about good news. Don't miss it. Have a great day, everyone.